Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we're right here at the beginning of the second half of the year. Hey, that's a great time to do a tune-up on our work, our life, our business, relationships. Yeah, it's a great time to take a fresh look at that. We got a couple questions dealing with that today. Is it legitimate to take a fresh look at your goals or are you just stuck with what you said at the beginning of the year? Well, we'll talk about that. Here, podcast sponsor today is audiblepodcast.com. They have a vast array of books. I'm going to give you a suggestion on a book that you can listen to. I'm excited about sharing that one with you this week. But a book that you can listen to that ties right in with some of the things we're going to be talking about. But again, if you go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days, you can get a free audiobook download. And I'll be telling you more details on that in just a minute. That's audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. Well, Here's some of the questions we'll be looking at and some of the, we've got a lot of resources that people are sending in. I want to share some of those today, just great ideas that we can all learn from. And I appreciate those, but our theme is, are your kids skinny? And I'll tell you why here in a little bit. If your kids are, are hungry, I'm going to tell you one of the primary reasons why somebody says, Dan, I'm ecstatic to now report that I've completely pivoted in my life. Well, that's a great success story. We'll hear that. And I just discovered the gospel of wealth by Andrew Carnegie. I'm going to give you a link to that, a free link to that little essay that Andrew Carnegie wrote years and years ago. And then someone wants to know, Dan, can I adjust my goals in June or just stick with what I started with? Well, we'll look at that. Here's one. What are three marketing tips you've never talked about here? Well, it took me a while to think about a couple, but I think I've got a couple that maybe I've not mentioned specifically that are really going to, going to help us in the kind of things that you may be doing, help you get your message out there. And then if we get to it, somebody asked, Dan, do you believe money attracts more money? Well, we'll talk about that. Well, our quotation for today comes from Zig Ziglar, who says, timid salesmen have skinny kids. Well, there you go. Just five quick words. Timid salesmen have skinny kids. <laughs> well, we know that's true. If you're timid about what it is that you're, that you have to share your product, your value, your service, your kids may be hungry. You don't need that. Well, let's go to some success stories. This comes from Joshua Shukman. And he says, howdy to Ashley, Dan, Kevin. I wanted to write a quick thank you note to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for the journey you all as a family have helped me along these past few months. Let me share a bit. I was at Innovate in March and was at a turning point in my life. I had an idea I wanted to bring to breathe life into and was more excited and passionate about that than anything I had latched onto in my life before, but I was really struggling personally. I was in an unhealthy and unsupportive relationship with my girlfriend concerned about my future as a grad student and feeling lost. To say that Innovate will go down as one of the most transformative experiences of my life is putting it mildly. Dan, your generosity with your time, your home, your experiences, and your kindness were an absolute inspiration to me. Ashley, your skill at putting together a first-class event and treating us all like royalty made the experience truly memorable. 
Kevin, you've journeyed with me one-on-one through the ups and downs of the quest I began at Innovate, and I'll be forever grateful for your support. I'm ecstatic to now report that I've completely pivoted in my life, have surrounded myself with much healthier and supportive relationships, and I'm well on my way to igniting the dream that you all helped me put together. The idea I was developing in Innovate is now a full-fledged daily podcast, blog, and website focused on social enterprise and it's social, social change nation, social change nation. Most importantly though, I know I've launched myself on the path that I was made to travel and I feel extremely blessed to have found that feeling. Once again, the love you share as a family, the passion you have for your work, the willingness to be open about your lives with us at innovate and through coaching me have forever reshaped my life for the better. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this. I look forward to, Many more such connections with your family. Hope to see you soon again at the sanctuary or on a cruise. All my best, Josh Jukeman. Hey, thanks for your sharing that testimony, Josh. uh, Delighted to hear those always. I mean, it's the kind of thing that we put in this category in our success stories. If you got a success story, feel free to share that with us. Just go to the 48days.com link, click on the podcast link there and you can write it in or just send that note to ask dan at 48days.com well kind of kind of on, on, on a related note here i have to tell you that um innovate exists no more i announced that a couple weeks ago um we've had a lot of people we've had a lot of people here and that's a fun event but we've had a lot of people say that they want to come but they just haven't been able to afford coming so frankly, what we're going to do is we're going to redirect some of our resources to be more online kinds of things that we can do and things that are do not require as much investment for that particular audience. For that particular audience, now, coaching, we love what we're doing with the coaching. You know, my mastermind, I mean, those are things that are going to continue here as live events at the sanctuary. Those are not going to change. But innovate, the people who are at the very beginning stages, like Josh talked about, you know, have an idea, you want to develop it. I mean, those were going to provide a lot of resources that don't require the big investment of flying to Nashville, getting a hotel and coming to one of our live events here. Just, just a subtle change, not a big deal, but um, I was excited about making that change and really tickled about the direction that we're going with that. Well, this comes from, uh, now I got some resources here that I want to share. One of those is the book that I want to share. For the week, I'm going to write ahead and share this because I want you to get your mindset around kind of the theme that we're going to be talking about, and that is selling. Now, we already talked about, you know, timid salesmen have skinny kids. If you're not selling with confidence, you're going to be struggling. And again, you don't have to be in a sales position. No matter what it is you do, you are selling. But here's the book I'm going to recommend for today, and it is Selling with Noble Purpose. How to Drive Revenue and Do Work That Makes You Proud by Lisa McLeod. Now, that's the book I'm recommending. Now, again, you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days and get a free copy of Selling with Noble Purpose. I've read it, gone back through it, love how she presents the material in there. Selling with Noble Purpose, How to Drive Revenue and Do Work That Makes You Proud. So, no matter what it is you're doing, and if you're a teacher, you're a pastor, you're a stay-at-home mom, I believe you're selling. But that's the book I recommend. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days 
and you can get that free copy. I'll give you a reminder of that again here in a little bit. Now, here's another just resource. This comes from Jamie Smith, who says, Dan, I was looking through your website, so you've got lots of useful resources for legal forms and so on. She says, I work with formswift.com, and I wanted to let you know about our legal forms library, which we have made completely free. There's dozens of free documents for Microsoft Word, all customizable and downloadable with a click of a button. You can take a look at the link below. And it is formswift.com slash free hyphen legal hyphen forms. Now I'll put a link to that in the, the radio show notes for today. But I appreciate that, Jamie. I went there, I looked, I opened very quickly a bill of sale. I opened a non-disclosure agreement. I mean, there's lots of things there that you would potentially need whether you're in business for yourself or not but i appreciate the link um i appreciate all those free forms and happy to share that with people now this comes from tj now this is a follow-up to a question we had last week he says dan Dan, i just listened to last week's podcast heard the question from navy fighter pilot regarding what to do next i have an option for him that he may not have known was available I work as an engineer on the F-35 Joint Strike Fighter at the Air Force Flight Test Center at Edwards Air Force Base, California. There are many former military pilots here that are now working as test pilots for the big contractors like Lockheed, Northrop, and Boeing. The contractors like to hire former military pilots because the government has already spent millions of dollars training them. They know they can get security clearances and they have the real world experience in high performance jets to be able to test and evaluate them. Also, they get paid much better than their military counterparts who are still enlisted. I know he said that he and his wife are trying to figure out where to live, but there are tests and training centers in many places across the country. He'd get to stay close to the military experience that he loves and keep flying fighter jets, but would not be under military command. Of course, another option would be to buy an old Russian jet and then sell rides to the public. That's, that's an experience I know I'd pay for. Thanks for all the great 48 days resources, TJ. Well, thanks for sharing that TJ. That, that, awesome i love that kind of thing to pass it on to the guy who was a military fighter pilot and looking for what his options would be in leaving the military thanks for sharing well here's more here's another here's another sharing resource dan i just wanted to thank you this comes from ben i wanted to thank you for your weekly podcast and all the great material you provide i've been following your podcast for for months and it's really encouraged me to test my entrepreneurial skills that i've buried away Thanks for your book list. I truly agree that besides God and the people you meet, books are the only other thing that really changes a person's life. Thanks for all the books you recommend. In my recent library visit, I picked up the book Giving by Bill Clinton. Thanks to your recent podcast. Right next to this book was The Gospel of Wealth by Andrew Carnegie. Since it was only 24 pages long, I picked it up too. I just read it. I recommend it to you in case you haven't heard of it. I touched on a It touched on a lot of great things about how to use wealth, giving back to society, many other things from your recent podcast. Thanks again for the work that you do. You truly inspire thousands of people to do more with their lives. I can't stop recommending you to everyone I know. Well, thanks, Ben, for that. Yeah, now the gospel of wealth is, it's really an essay by Andrew Carnegie. So it was written years and years ago. Andrew Carnegie was one of the the wealthiest men of his time and did lots of things like started fire stations and libraries and all of that. But he, but he talks a lot about how to handle wealth. Now here's just a clip 
from that little book that Ben references. And, and I'll put a link to it. I'll put a link where you can just get the free PDF of this little essay. It's kind of deep, you know, in the way that it's written, but it's got some neat things in it about the responsibility of somebody who has wealth. Andrew Carnegie says, this then is held to be the duty of the man of wealth. First to set an example of modest, unostentatious living, shunning display or extravagance to provide moderately for the legitimate wants of those dependent on him. And after doing so to consider all surplus revenues, which come to him simply as trust funds, which he is called upon to administer and strictly bound as a matter of duty to administer in the matter, which in his judgment is best calculated to produce the most beneficial results for the community. The man of wealth, thus becoming the mere agent and trustee for his poor brethren, bringing to their service, his superior wisdom, experience and ability to administer doing for them better than they would or could do for themselves. Now it, it almost sounds arrogant in a way. And Andrew Carnegie was kind of arrogant in a way, but um, it's an interesting read. He talks about the challenges of what you do with your children. If you are a person of wealth, I had a discussion just this last week with um, somebody who was here for one of our events about that very thing. He's very, very wealthy and the challenges of, of raising kids. He has a, you know, a son who needs some help, but we aren't sure he needs some help. I think he needs to find his way and bailing him out may not be the most helpful thing to do. So anyway, the challenges, but I'll put a link to that. Andrew Carnegie, the gospel of wealth. David says, he says a long time listener, loved the show a few weeks ago. You and Michael Hyatt put together a great interview the title was How to Make 150000 This Year from Your Platform. It was incredibly motivating. I listened to it twice. Yeah, Michael, Michael Hyatt had that. At first, we did that interview as a, a back-end training for his Platform University, and I believe he told me it's the most watched video he's ever had there, but then he made it available through his podcast, so it was just open to everybody. We had lots and lots of people that downloaded that. How to Make 150000 This Year from Your Platform was Michael Hyatt interviewing me and we talked about leveraging your core message into a whole suite of products. So David continues. The good news is I've started. I'm working toward my dream of a speaking, writing training business. Back in January, I started a blog focused on ethical business leadership. It's called the ought of business.com. I have a good day job, but I want more. I'm working on a book, looking for speaking gigs, look, growing my blog, creating content and so on. I have two questions. Out of all the good things I can or should do, where should I focus? Which would you do first, speak for local business organizations or build a tribe on the internet? Well, I would recommend that you do both, that you do everything that you're talking about simultaneously. It's not like one leads to the next. You don't stair-step these. So when you talk about speaking, training, writing, they really all coattail together. Now, your challenge is going to be, how do you create income from those? How do you create income from those quick enough so that it, you can perhaps leave your day job? If that in fact is your goal, it may or may not be, but the challenge is how can you create income? Writing is something that has a pretty long lead time. If you write in any kind of traditional way, that meaning if you want to write a full length manuscript and you want to either self publish or get with a publisher, you're probably looking at a year to a year and a half at least 
before, if you start writing today, before that's going to generate any money for you. Now you can do little short eBooks and put those out there. We got lots of great stories, you know, about Aaron Kerr and Andy Traub and others that put things up and very quickly in the first 60 days, you know, made significant money. You know, there are some opportunities in writing, but those are, those are not as common as the more traditional path. And with that more traditional path, it's a pretty lengthy ramp up time to get money from writing. Speaking, same thing. If you're not known now as a speaker to position yourself, start marketing yourself with the lead time for organizations of book speakers, usually being 12 to 18 months out speaking, it's going to be a while before you start getting paid for that. Now, in the meantime, sure, speak, speak a whole bunch of times, speak to the local civic organizations, Rotary, Kiwanis, you know, Lions Club, those kind of things, you know, church organizations, a nonprofit organization. They're always looking for speakers. So identify clearly what your core message is and get out there and do that. But that's not likely to generate income from, for you. The training business, if you are doing personal coaching, or if you're doing a workshop or seminar, that's probably the most immediate thing you can do to generate income. So if you want to generate income, if that's part of your question here, yeah, training, coaching, working with people, individually or doing workshops and seminars, that's probably the most immediate thing you can do to generate business. Now, here's one of the ironies of what you're asking about. I talked to a lot of speakers. I talked to last night. I talked to Josh Shipp. Josh, you may recognize the name. His last name is S-H-I-P-P. He has a, a TV show called Jump Ship. And it's about getting out there and doing something, taking a risk, you know, leaving what you're doing, moving into something else. You know, great guy. You know, he, he is a really well known on the speaking circuit, primarily to high schools and colleges. Josh Shipp. Well, he told me that five years ago, last night we had this conversation. Five years ago, 95% of his income came from speaking. 95% came from speaking. But now think about how you create income from speaking. You get on a plane, boom, you go somewhere, you go to a hotel. You know, you speak, you're on the road. That's how you make money speaking. This is a real common malady where people say they want to be speakers and all of a sudden they become well-known as a speaker and they're never home. And they're thinking, wow, how can I get off this train that I got myself on? And that's what Josh was asking himself five years ago. So he became very strategic about repositioning his message, repurposing his content. And in the five years, he has totally switched that percentage. He now makes 5% of his income from speaking and makes 95 from online training, the products, the books, the things that he's created to share his message, but on the back end. Now that's a lot of what I talk about in that video with Michael Hyatt on how to create $150,000 from your platform. I'm saying you don't have to just focus on one thing. And if you speak and make $50,000 doing that, I mean, that would be a nice reasonable income as a speaker, but to go from 50,000 to 150,000, doesn't necessarily mean that you just speak three times as much. You may, you may not want to do that at all. I mean, everybody I know who speaks is trying to figure out how to get off the road, how to not speak as much. Michael Hyatt is very open about that. He last two years ago, he spoke a lot. That was a primary leg of his income generation. He decided he wanted to speak 20% as much as he had been. And he backed down and he's increased dramatically the things he's done in product launches, platform university, the other things that he's done so that he would not have to do that. So that's 
kind of a lengthy answer to your question, but it depends where you want to generate income and what you want your life to look like five years from now. That's really the question that dictates what you do immediately. Well, hey, just a reminder, you're hearing questions here from real life people who submit the questions. Love getting those in, got lots of them coming in. The questions then that we share here are the kind of things that I think we can unpack dissect together and all learn from them all learn from the principles it doesn't matter if you're not a speaker you can learn from talking about that it doesn't matter if you're not a salesperson you can learn from us talking about the principles there so you can go to the 48days.com site click on the podcast link leave your question there you can also leave an audio question if you want to we'll get a couple of those here in a little bit um, you can also just shoot an email to ask dan at 48days.com now this one comes from aj from Knoxville, who says, I'm 34 years old, and last year I fought hard for a sales position in a field I thought I would love. I truly thought this was my passion and calling. I love the creativity that comes with working on projects, but the day-to-day technical side and grind of selling, filling out paperwork, and constant hammering away at building a client base drains the ever-loving life out of me. I know my true passion is more on the creative side of things. But how do I figure out what my calling is when I have spent the last three years positioning myself for this field that I was just able to break into last year? Reminds me of what Stephen Covey said in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Sometimes we climb the ladder of success only to realize it was leaning against the wrong wall. Well, that's not uncommon. That's how we learn. That's how we clarify our career path, especially when you're 34 years old at the beginning stages I mean, those first few years of working, the primary purpose is not to define a career path from which there's no escape, but it's simply to help in the process clarification. So yeah, you can readjust, you can redirect, get a realignment. So not unreasonable at all. But here's one of the things that I want to, that I want to work on just a little bit with you, TJ, AJ on this. And that is that you say, you know, you don't like the selling, you like the creative side of things, you know, don't diminish the value of selling even if you're on the creative side you're going to have to be selling but here's a definition of selling that i want us to unpack for a little bit this comes from dan solomon head of strategic coach out of toronto he says this is what selling is to get someone intellectually engaged in a future result that's good for them and get them to emotionally commit to take action to achieve that result now that's a really good definition of selling to get someone intellectually engaged in a future result that's good for them and get them to emotionally commit to take action to achieve that result. I do a lot of work with salespeople and we go through the four core processes of of how you sell effectively. But what I really like in this definition is that's good for them. If you know something is good for somebody, you don't have to pressure them into you. Your response is to share with them the benefits of experiencing whatever it is that you have. I mean, professional selling really is simply sharing enthusiasm. That's what it is. So if you go to a great movie and you tell 15 of your friends, you're selling. If you go to a restaurant and you love the experience there and you tell 20 people you're selling. That is the purest form of selling, simply sharing enthusiasm. So you want to be involved in something, the the product, the service, whatever it is that you offer, 
You are so excited about it. You want everybody to experience that. You're simply sharing your enthusiasm. Now, whatever it is that you're doing, even if you're in a position that you know you need to realign a little bit here, you need to readjust, you can take your selling experience with you. Sales skills are the most transferable area of competence we could possibly have. I mean, so continue to polish your selling skills, but look for a better match in terms of what you're selling. That's all you have to do. Continue to polish your selling skills, but you know, go ahead and look for a better match for what that would be. Well, this comes from Renee. It says, Dan, I haven't been listening. Now, I got a couple questions here that have to do more with the traditional job search. So we'll, we'll put those kind of together here and then we'll move into some other exciting questions in a minute as well. You know, I, I just realized how I just framed that. That may, perhaps was unfair in how I framed that. You know, it's like, I'm going to deal with a couple questions that have to do with the traditional job search and then we'll get back to the thing that I'm really excited about. You know, I know that kind of makes me transparent. Yeah, I, I am energized by things that are more entrepreneurial, more non-creative. There's a lot of opportunities in traditional jobs that's going to continue. I just finished the completed manuscript with all the edits and everything for the new version of 48 days to the work you love that'll come out in January, 2015. I'm excited about that. I've got lots of things in there about how to get, how to secure the traditional jobs. Chapter two, it's a brand new chapter is who would hire me? And I go right into what is it the companies look for that make, what would make you attractive as a candidate? But anyway, I, I don't get a whole lot of questions, as you know, here on the radio show that deal with the more traditional job search and job activities. Most of the things that we deal with here are more geared toward kind of the, the more creative side of how you put legs on your dreams and turn that into something that produces a real income for you. But certainly we can feel free to submit questions that do have to do with the traditional job search. So here's one. Again, Renee says, I haven't been listening to your podcast for very long, but I have to say that I appreciate all you do. Look forward to taking your challenge on the, or in getting the work that I love. I listened to one of your latest radio shows where you spoke of having sample resume and cover letters that you believe are proven to be successful. I've never read a cover letter quite like the one on your site. While I believe the structure of it is good, I can't help but wonder, isn't stating that the employer should expect a call so they can set up a time to talk is rather presumptuous and at least a little off-putting. I want to make a great first impression as I believe that to many in the industry is how I can get, I can enter. I believe it's still very important. Please help me understand the format of this cover letter so I can understand the way I need to carry myself in the interview process. I would greatly appreciate your response. Well, Renee, Here's the deal. Yes, in the cover letter, I say, please expect my call in the next four or five days. Now, here are the statistics on how that happens. If you simply send out a cover letter and resume, you should expect to send out 254 to expect to get any kind of response at all. 254. Now, the deal is, most people don't send that many out. And so they send out 30 or 40 without doing anything else. And they don't get any response and they're totally convinced nobody's hiring. The economy is bad. 
I'm in the tank. No, it's just a bad process. So what I put in there is in the cover letter that you send out to a prospective employer, please expect my call in the next four or five days. Now, remember, I said that if you just send out a cover letter and resume, you can expect to have to send out 254 to get any kind of response at all. If you put in there, please expect my call in the next four or five days and you follow through with that, you can expect to get an interview and job offer every one out of 15 that you send out. Now, I like those odds a whole lot better. Those odds are dramatically shifted just by simply putting that in there. The reason that it brings you to the top of the pack so easily is that so very few people do it. Only about one to one and a half percent of job seekers do the phone follow-up. Now, is it intimidating? Absolutely. To pick up the phone? Yes, it is. Is it unusual? Yes. Do you have a hard time getting through to a decision makers because of all the screening tools that we've got these days? Yes. All those things are true. That, again, that's why it's done by so few people, but the people who do it dramatically change their job search results. Dramatically change. But here's the deal. You say, isn't that a little presumptuous and at least a little off-putting? You know, if I get a letter from somebody and they say, Dan, I'm going to give you a call four days from now. Wow. Is that off-putting? Am I going to think, well, that's a little presumptuous. I'm a busy guy. I don't think you're going to get my, yeah, I, 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 even, I would have a little bit of that response, but if you're gentle and super courteous about not infringing on anybody's time, you're going to get passed over time and time again. This is the time to pull out all the stops, do the things that you're uncomfortable with, push I mean, I, in working with people over the years, have had people do some really unusual kind of things, like finding out from a receptionist, what time does the owner of the company arrive in the morning? Oh, he pulls in his parking spot at 645 every morning. And for me to then have the job seeker positioned standing by his parking spot in the parking tower when he pulls in. Do those things get results? You better believe it. They do. I worked with a company one time. We were screening. We had put out the interview application process, had like 70 applications. And I had an application from somebody, got a call from the owner of the company, said, I want you to interview this little gal. I looked at her resume and I said, geez, she wouldn't have even been on my radar. Why are you telling me to interview her? Here's the deal. She had found out from the phone number, what the company was, she went there, showed up in the lobby, happened to see the owner walking through. She stopped him, said, I'm applying for this, this job. He was impressed with her personally and said, I want her to be in one of the finalists. And she ended up getting the job. I mean, just, she would have never come to the top at all on her resume and her work history or qualifications, but she took the initiative to show up uninvited. Is that intimidating? Is it presumptuous? Yeah. That's how you get noticed in today's environment. That's how you get opportunities. This one comes from John who says, thanks for all you do. I've been an avid listener on your radio show for years. One crucial step of finding the work you love is to identify 30 to 40 companies for whom you could work. What's the best way to go about that? 
In my particular field, financial analysts, the companies typically need to be a certain size, not small, but not very large in order to be able to justify a position like this. What's the best way to generate this list of companies? Thanks again for all you do. Great question. Now, again, we are not waiting for companies who have advertised or who have posted a position. Once you see a position advertised, you've lost your window of opportunity. What you see, 3,000 other people with better qualifications are seeing the same thing. So you take the initiative and in identifying those 30 to 40 companies where there would be a potential match. Draw a circle. You may draw a circle 10 miles from your house of companies because you don't want to have a long commute. I mean, this is the way you stay in the driver's seat. Take the action to put you in a position that you want. But here's how you identify the 30 to 40 companies. Once you identify the parameters, you want a financial analysis position. You want a, a small company, not, not too small, not too large. You know, so you want a company that has 20 to 70 employees. I don't know. You make the qualifications. You can use, here's, here's the way you do that. Use Hoover's business directory. You can access it online. It's the world's largest business directory. You can go through that. It'll tell you who's in what position. It'll tell you salaries and all kinds. It'll tell you the financial back end of the company. Lots of information that you can get from Hoover's. And you can do your search there. You can use the Chamber of Commerce listing in your town. I mean, go there, sit down with the directory and go through and identify the companies that would fit your criteria. Any library will have both local and national search tools to find businesses with your criteria. So you can put that list together and do it very, very, uh, very, very quickly and very comfortably. Now, here's a question. This comes from, from James. Hey, Dan. James Devine here. I podcast at themusicedpodcast.com. I have a question about goal setting. I've read your your writings about goal setting, and I do that every November, set my goals for the year. I teach school full-time, and I'm able to work on my business part-time, and I find myself every June revising my goals. I get through more than half of them, and I think, oh, I, I better go in and, and revise them. Am I doing something wrong in the process in November, or is this a good thing, or is this something that that you kind of develop over a number of years. I've been using your process probably for about three or four years now. Thank you very much. I appreciate all your advice and mentoring and everything that you do for all of us. Well, thanks for your question, James. Um, great question. Yeah. Can we reevaluate? You better believe it. I mean, setting goals is not something that you carve in concrete. This is not like the 10 commandments where they're carved in stone and never change. Now, goals give you a target to move toward, but there should be a constant process of reevaluating. Now, that doesn't mean that you just, gee, just change your mind, you go off in a new direction, so it's not really a goal that you're sticking to at all. But I think it's a healthy process, especially in a rapidly changing environment, to come back to them at least at the half-year point and say, am I on track? Do I still think this really is a goal that I want to move toward? A couple of years ago, uh, you, you've heard me talk about the fact that the strangest secret, the little audio recording by Earl Nightingale profoundly impacted me as a little farm kid when I was about 13 years old. Well, I became an avid student of their materials, all the recordings of what I call the masters of achievement, Earl Nightingale, Napoleon Hill, Norman Vincent Peale, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Dennis Waitley, and all those. 
on a couple years ago, Nightingale Conant contacted me and said, wow, we've reviewed all your material. We've tested it with our audience, got a really positive response. Would you be willing to come to Chicago and create a six hour program that we'll title dream job? Well, that was in about the middle of the year. I already had my year really mapped out with what I was going to do. I adjusted some things. That was an opportunity I didn't want to miss. I went to Chicago at a wonderful time there. Wonderful experience with them. That here's an interesting tidbit. That program dream job based on customer reviews is ranked number three in all of history for Nightingale Conant in how customers rated the program dream job that I did. You know what number four is the strangest secret by Earl Nightingale. I mean, that that's gives me goosebumps when I think about that. I can't believe that, you know, after having been profoundly impacted with so many of their messages over the years, that my my personal program being put in with those Masters of Achievement is now ranked number three in terms of how customers ranked the value of the programs right ahead of the strangest secret. Well, anyway, but yeah, you can reevaluate your goals mid-year. It's healthy to do that. So by all means, give yourself the freedom to do that and look at where are you, where you're going. Well, here's a question. This one comes from Mike. Hi, Dan. My name is Mike Emmert, and I, I have a challenge for you, and I wanted to share a prayer request of mine that I have put into my life. Um, I'm a new entrepreneur, and I've only made a few thousand dollars over the last year. Part of this is due to having to work a full-time job underground and completely isolated from the outside world. In your last show, you mentioned the quote, the thing you want wants you, and you really made an energizing point that success finds the one who really wants it. I'm so pumped about my business, and I've hardly made any money. The reason I'm so positive about it is that I can see what the future looks like. My prayer request during my process is this, Lord, would you please give me clear and precise direction? I've asked God for this every day, and he has answered it. Even though my business isn't fully operational, I know exactly what's going to happen when I launch my product, uh, which I can't really talk about yet. But because of your challenge, uh, you're challenging us to think outside the box, so to speak. Um, you really got me thinking. So I wanted to challenge you. And here it is. Would you be able to come up with three new marketing tips or strategies that have not been implemented in your books, products, or on your website. That's it. This is Mike Emmert. Thanks, Dan. You know, when Mike asked three things, you know, I just heard there right at the tail end where he says that have not been implemented. I'll tell you what, if it ever crossed my mind, it's been implemented. You know, I, I have a list of 48 marketing tips, things that you can do to fill your funnel, to get your message out there. And I, I mean, we have used hundreds. Uh, let me just tell you about a couple that I don't think you've ever heard me talk about here. Now they're, they're not things that we've never done. There are things that we do all the time, but again, if it ever crossed my mind and I thought it was a good marketing tip, we've already tried it out. I don't hold anything back, but let me talk about a couple here that I think you'll find interesting and maybe that you have not yet used. And depending on what it is that you have, is how applicable it would be. 
There's a concept called Occam's Razor. That's O-C-C-A-M-S, Occam's Razor. Now, this is what it means. It's, it's really a theoretical principle that has to do with finding the simplest solution. But here's how, it's, how it applies to marketing. Let's say that I want to sell 10,000 copies of a book or you have a product, you, you have a little widget that you sell. You want to sell 10,000 of them. You have two choices. You can find 10,000 people to buy your product. Now that's usually how people think. I mean, authors, other people, how can I find 10,000 people who will each buy one of my product? Occam's razor says, could you find one company to put in one order for 10,000? Now I love to think like that. There've been a lot of people as authors who write books who have used that principle only. You may not recognize their names because they'll write a book on leadership. So little, I mean, I had a friend who, who has done a lot of this. So the 10 essential components of leadership, but he doesn't put that out there on Amazon or you'll never see it in Barnes and Noble. He goes to companies like IBM and they buy 50,000 copies of that with their logo imprinted on the front cover. Those are specialty sales in books. And a lot of authors have done extremely well in those specialty sales where they sell to companies that buy big volume, but it's Occam's razor. So that's a principle that you can use for a lot of things that you may be doing. Again, I don't know, Mike, what your particular business is or what kind of product you're going to have, but Occam's razor is something that we look at a lot. I mean, it's, it's in essence why I put together a seminar package for 48 days to the work you love. Again, I've had, I've been fortunate in having lots of sales of 48 days to the work you love the individual book, but we also get a lot of requests from churches, organizations, even like General Motors, where they say, we want a hundred sets of the seminar series. Those are $69 a piece. It's an upscale product package that's put together. So it has the workbook, the personality profile, the hardback, some audios in there, some DVDs and so on. Anyway, I mean, so we, we look for what is it that we could put together where we would have organizations wanting a hundred or 200 rather than just one at a time. That's Occam's razor. Another principle that I've used a lot, very successfully is risk reversal. That simply means you offer a money back guarantee. So if I sell 48 days to the work you love and I offer a money back guarantee, I mean, it's why wouldn't you do that? So if you spend the money, if you spend $50 or whatever the package is that you get on the 48 days to the work you love package, if you don't get a job you love in 48 days, we'll give your money back. Now, some people would say, are you serious? You got to be nuts. You know that not everybody who goes through that book gets a job they love. In 48 days. Yes, I know that. But risk reversal is a marketing strategy. It's a marketing strategy. Now, there are a couple of things that we do. And let me just give you kind of some quick back end tips here as well. I mean, we do some things that really just kill buyer's remorse and kill people sending them back. And we do so much to provide added value. You know, once you buy something, you get additional materials from us. We're checking in to see, gee, how are you doing? Now that's not true. Of course, if you got it from 
Barnes and Noble. And of course, there's no guarantee if you bought it from Barnes and Noble or Amazon. Anyway, I don't control what they do and how they sell it. And they aren't going to offer those kind of guarantees. We do here personally. But we also put in the package, we put in those 48 peppermint puff candies that people absolutely love. So somebody gets a package, they open it up. Wow, they pop a candy in their mouth, you know, a couple more over the next few days or whatever. And all of a sudden, 60 days have gone by and they think, man, I never did anything with that. You know, my life is still the same. I didn't do anything at all. I'm going to send that back. So they get the box, they start putting things back together and they think, oh, now wait a minute, man, I, I ate five of those candies. They're probably going to take it back. And so they don't bother to send it back. Now, we don't do that as a manipulative kind of thing, but that's what people's thinking is. I mean, our returns are essentially non-existent. We just do things with the risk reversal to make people buy in, to give them the results they want. But our, we use risk reversal a lot around here. Now, here's a couple other things we do. Every box that goes out of here that's shipped out of 48 days, we use white boxes, not the cardboard. Yeah, a little bit more cost, but it looks so much nicer. Every one of those has a big label on it. It's about eight inches square. And it says in real big, bold letters, what's your plan? And then it has www.48days.com. Now, why do we do that on the outside of a box? Think about the hands that that box goes through before it gets to the customer. So we get tons of follow-up from USPS workers, UPS, FedEx, they see that, they go to the website, say, man, I want to get involved. It's added marketing all the way between us and the customer. I mean, it's just one of those things that makes perfect sense. Here's another quick thing. Every one of those boxes has on it a little sticker, a white sticker that says, wait, before you open this box, Dan has a 48-second message you need to hear. And it gives a toll-free number. Now, the toll-free number is 888 48 days too. You can go there and listen to it if you want to. In that 48 second message, I say, wow, you're one of the smartest people on the face of the planet. You know, you're doing what very few people do. I mean, I don't know. It's been a while since I listened to it, but you can go there and refresh my memory on what I say, but it's an encouraging message and confirming that you've made a really good decision by getting this. So again, that kills buyer's remorse, that kills returns, weight. That's just something that we, we add down there. Now, those are just some of the, some marketing tips. Now we can go on and on. I mean, I thank you for your question. I mean, we've been, we've been asked a lot about the marketing things that we do here to have had the kind of success that we have. Yeah. There's a whole lot of things that you can do. Hey, one other quick question here. This comes from Todd Stocker who says, I live in Minnesota, one of the States that Amazon dropped for its affiliate program. Ugh. What other affiliate programs would you recommend? Todd? Well, Todd, if you go to, 48days.com, click on the resources, go down to useful resources. You're going to open up pages and pages of affiliate links that we have. I don't think we've even got Amazon on there. I mean, don't get married to one company as being your only affiliate program. I mean, we probably have 80 different companies that we recommend through direct affiliate relationships with those. So, yeah, just just broaden the scope of what you're doing. You know, broaden the scope of who you're looking for for affiliate connections. I mean, we've got a lot of them. If you go to people like uh, Pat Flynn, you're going to see a whole lot there 
of uh, affiliate connections, other things you can use. You can create relationships with them and use them for affiliate income. I would just say broaden out. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Hey, just a couple of reminders. I mean, we got a lot of things coming up here. I mean, we'd love to see you here at our Coaching with Excellence event that's coming up in August. If you've thought about coaching, if you want to, if you want to speak, train, write, I mean, come to Coaching with Excellence. Those are the kind of things that we deal with there. How to take your core message and how to leverage those so that you really do get the kind of income that most people just dream about. We've also got our coaching mastery program. You hear me talk about that. I love working with the people there. We've got some amazing success stories about what people are doing as they're building their own coaching practices. And then also we got coming up in February, of course, the ultimate advantage cruise. That's kind of the, the Cadillac experience for the year. We're going to have a blast on that. We'd love to see you there cruising from Fort Lauderdale down to San Juan, Puerto Rico, then down to the Island, St. John, St. Kitts down in there. Seven days at sea, got some amazing people joining us on there, both as speakers and as cruisers. So we'd be delighted to have you come along and visit us on that experience. Lots of good things, lots of ways to connect with other people. We're titled on that, The Ultimate Advantage, The Vital Power of Connections. But how to connect with other people so that you really increase your own level of success and help them on their journey. And this goes both ways. Well, thanks for being part of this community. I love the kind of things that are happening here. I love the kind of things that we're hearing from people, from you. Let us know your question, your successes, as we all continue in this process of finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Have a great week.